What's up, church family? Oh, you sound good. I have missed you. Have you missed me? Don't lie. Guys, I'm so glad to be back. Please have a seat. Welcome all locations. We're so glad you're with us no matter where you're joining us at. And let me say, let me say two special hellos. One, Brussels, Belgium. We love you so much. And men and women at both God Behind Bars campuses, we love you like crazy. You're every bit as much a part of this church family as those of us in the room right now. We love you. We believe in you. Thanks for doing church with us. Oh, I have missed you guys. If you just started coming to church here in the last month, my name is Sean and I work here. (laughs) If this is your church family and you're like, I didn't know he was gone, get to church more often. (laughs) And you would. No, you know, the analogy goes like this and I I think it's pretty accurate. It's kind of like like a like a pitcher of water. Right. And and my job, if I'm doing it right, is to to do my very best to constantly be pouring out and pouring out and pouring out to be the best pastor for you that I possibly can be. And every now and then it's a good idea for me to stop for a minute and, and, and spend some time with God and spend some time with my family and let God refill the whole thing up. Right. So that I can come back and do my best to be your pastor. And it's 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 I love it. Apart from my family, it's, it's my favorite part of this world. So uh, it really is, and, and, and I love you guys. Um, there's one statement that I want you to take home with you today. Uh, first, you guys having fun in church today so far? All right. There's one statement I, wanted, I want you to take home with you today. Go ahead and put that up. Following Jesus is not the easiest way to live. It's the best way to live. Following Jesus is not the easiest way to live. It's the best way to live. Let's close in prayer. (laughs) All right, let's open in prayer. God, I thank you so much. I thank you for this church family. I thank you that we have the freedom to gather like this and to worship you and with family and friends. And and God, I pray that you would speak to every single one of us about our lives right now in Jesus' name. And everybody at every location said, Amen. amen. There's this misconception and I think it causes us a lot of trouble in life. And the misconception is, is that if I follow Jesus, my life will get easier. And you hear it come out, even in seasoned veteran Christ followers, you hear it come out and it comes out in phrases like this. He's been a Christ follower for so many years and he still got sick as if because he's been a Christ follower, he shouldn't get sick. Because being a Christ follower means you ought to have an easier life. And it got quiet really quick. Following Jesus is not the easy life. It's the best life. When he said, follow me to his disciples, he never once insinuated that they were signing up for easy He never once said, I'll keep you healthy your whole life, make you rich the whole time and make sure you avoid all storms. In fact, I think if we could talk to them today, they'd say, no, I actually experienced the opposite. My life actually got more difficult when I decided to follow Jesus, but it also got better. John 16, 33 says this. I have told, this is Jesus speaking. I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. He said, what I'm about to tell you, it doesn't sound like real good news, but if you can wrap your mind around it, it'll actually bring you peace in this life. 
Because I want you to have peace, I want you to wrap your mind around this truth. In this world, you will have trouble. He's talking to people who are going to be his followers. Following me does not mean you get to avoid trouble. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. See, there's this unrealistic expectation, and it goes like this. If I put my faith in Jesus, my life's just going to get easier. And the problem is, is then something goes wrong, and we get real mad, and we feel like we were cheated or wronged, or it didn't work out the way it was supposed to. And the truth is, we misread misread the contract from the beginning. We were never promised an easier life. We were never promised that we'd never get sick and no one that we love would ever get sick and that we'd never go through storms and that we'd never go through battles and that we'd never have opposition. We just weren't, that wasn't the deal. And I don't know where we've gotten that message, but it's just not what, it's not what Jesus said. In fact, he said this, he said, let me be very, very clear because see, if, if you know why I came, then when you go through opposition or when you go through storms, you won't have to go through that whole, oh, God forsaken me and he doesn't care and he didn't do what he was supposed to and now I'm mad and now I'm gonna walk away. He's like, no, 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 this is why I came. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He's talking about Satan, the devil, the evil one, whatever you wanna call him. Listen, if this is your first time here, I want you to know that we believe God is very real. Heaven is real, hell's real, the devil is real. God has plans for your life and Satan wants to choke him out. Jesus said, let me tell you why I came. I have come that they may have life and have it to the easy. Oh, wait. That's not what he said. Well, that's what we've been acting like. That's not what he said, though. He said, I came so that you would have life and have it to the full, to the abundant, the best. He did not come to give us an easy life. He came to give us the best life. And there's a difference. And if we can start to wrap our mind around the difference, it'll change the way we walk. It'll change the way we live. It'll change our relationship with our father. Following Jesus isn't a promise of an easier life. It's a promise of a better life, of the best life to the full, to the in, in, in abundance. And this is a lesson that his disciples would be reminded of one day out at sea on a boat in a storm. Go ahead and put that slide up. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So understand this. Everything that's going to happen from this point forward is the result of them actually following Jesus. If they'd have said no and quit and walked away, they don't go through what they're about to go through. They're about to go through what they go through because they're following Jesus. So they got in a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. That's a whole nother sermon right there, isn't it? Ever feel that? He's sleeping. He doesn't even care. He's not paying attention. He's asleep. A squall came down on the lake. I don't know what a squall is, but it sounds bad. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped. And they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, master, master, we're going to drown. Keep in mind, these are professional fishermen. They fish for a living. They, they're professional boaters. They boat for a living. It's what they do. If they feel like the weather is so bad, the storm is so bad that they're about to die, they're in a crazy storm. These are not novices. This is what they do. And they're scared for their lives because they followed Jesus. 
Master, master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. Man, can you picture that? The storm subsided and all was calm. Where's your faith? He asked his disciples in fear and amazement. I think that's going to be the title of my next sermon. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, scared to death and amazed at the same time. Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Can you picture this happening? Such a crazy storm out at sea that they think they're going to die, and they go to Jesus, and Jesus, with a word, shuts down the weather. And they're scared and amazed all at the same time. Like, let him go back to sleep. He's freaking me out right now. I don't want to talk to him. You know what I mean? And, and I, I'm not trying to say that, that I'm just like, you know, the disciples of Jesus. Um, but we did both almost die out at sea in a storm. Mine was because of Eric James Parks. <laughs> he spoke a couple weeks ago. I posted on, online that his message was fire. I wasn't giving him a compliment. That was the title of his message. <laughs> All you church social media people are like, oh, that's God. It was fire. No, it really was. It was fire. Uh, it was a great message. You should go listen to it. But Eric, whether, maybe you knew this, maybe you didn't. He's one of my longest time friends in the world. In fact, we knew each other when we were teenagers. It wasn't that long ago, Ronnie. Okay. <laughs> he was my college roommate. So anyways, about seven years ago, he starts, he leaves, he was the CEO of his own company, and, and he left and took a gigantic pay cut and said, I want to come be a part of Red Rocks Church. And he's now one of the directors and leaders of the church and one of my best buddies. And anyway, seven years ago, he, I got to tell the story fast. Seven years ago, he said, I got a boat in Alabama. That's where I keep it. You should bring your family. Let's go boating together in the summer. Well, I hate being hot and I hate humidity. So obviously Alabama in the summer is a great choice for me. I don't like getting in the ocean. I hate boats. So of course, right? I'm in. So I go because he's just got this way of getting me to do stuff. So I go, we take the family. We're going out on boat day. We go out to sea. We drop the wives and the youngest children. Our youngest kids were three. Okay. I think maybe three or three or four. We're going to say three for the story. We drop them off on this little island and we take the big kids and we're going to go tubing. Eric's going to just drive in circles and the kids are going to tube. So all of a sudden, he's doing his thing, and I'm hating life because I'm on a boat, and I'm like, whoa, bro, that does not look good, and it's, the sky's like black over there, and Eric is like just tubing, doing his thing, and if you know Eric, he's not going to be deterred. He's going to do what's on his mind, and so he's like, no, nah, no, nah, bro, I'm looking at the uh, Doppler here. That's in the uh, Westerlies, where it should be fine. Um, did you say Westerlies? Like, what are you talking about? He keeps going. I look up again, I, and I'm like, I'm no meteor meteorologist, but I swear the black is now closer, and that can't be good. That's all I know. Now nah, we're fine, bro. Doppler. He's just. All of a sudden, I'm like, Parks. I like, Parks, look up. He's like, oh, that's bad. <laughs> black around us. And it's just black skies. It's all you see. And we're like, and I'm like, yeah, bro. There's not a boat out here but us. He goes, we should go back. I'm like, you think? 
We can't go back because we left our wives and children on an island, okay? So we now got to go back to, and when we left, there were boat, 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 people everywhere. We come back, not a boat on the island, and our two wives and two three-year-olds were the only ones there. And there are tears, lots of them. And all I, did to Jill, all I said to Jill was like, his fault, his fault. I'm as mad as you are. We get the kids on the boat. We start heading back. And guys, I'm not kidding. It was like, it was like we were in a movie, like a storm hit. And I mean, great squall. It was a squall. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This little boat is going like this. And I'm like, yep, yeah, we're going to die. I knew it. That's why I didn't want to come on this thing. Waves start coming over the boat. I'm not kidding. Everyone's crying except for Eric. He's just captain, my captain. I'm praying in tongues. The whole thing's going down. <laughs> Water is starting to flow. I'm not kidding. Water is now about, there's about two feet of water in the boat. I'm like, oh, it's going to sink. All the waves are coming over. All the kids are crying. Chrissy's holding Austin, who was seven at the time. And Austin just told me this the other day because this story got brought up. He's like, yeah, I was crying and I was so scared. And Chrissy was crying. And I said, hey, Chrissy, are we going to be okay? And Chrissy goes, I don't know, Austin. (laughs) Chrissy Parks lied to a seven-year-old. Everyone thinks we're going to die. Boat's going like this, filling up with water. We're going to, we try to get over to where this dock is and we, we just can't, we can't get there. The waves are like this. And I'm like, literally the boat's going to sink. And all of a sudden this construction crew that was working on a house right near this dock, they come flying out of this house. They run off the edge of the deck. They jump in the water. They start swimming toward us. They start pulling us out before the boat sinks. Now I'm not saying I'm like the disciples because we were both in a storm, but we did both get saved by carpenters. You tell me, you know what I mean? You tell me. So, so the carpenters pull us out and, and we live and the story could go on forever, but I'm going to stop right there. We put our wives and children with the carpenters we just met that day and they took them home. We didn't even know what they were going to, the whole deal. So I tell, here, here's, here's why I tell the story. Parks just said to me about a week ago, he goes, you know what I'm thinking about doing? I'm thinking about getting me another boat. He goes, just a little one for Chatfield. We'll go out on Chatfield. Will you come with me? No. No, I won't come. I won't sit in a boat with you in a driveway. You know what I told him? I'm not riding with you anymore because last time I did, everything went wrong. Right? And, And I say all that to say, I don't know about you, but I have felt that way about God before. You know what? I'm not riding with you anymore because last time I did, nothing worked out. And it goes like this. I started tithing and I took a risk and I started tithing. And then that same week, our car broke down. I told you this whole thing doesn't work. I'm not riding with you anymore. I'm out. Just got real, didn't it? Single people. I broke up with him. Yes, he was a liar and a manipulator and was cheating on me and probably would have ruined my life, but I broke up with him for Jesus. And now I've got nobody to watch Stranger Things with. And I'm lonely every weekend. It didn't work. Following him didn't work. My life didn't get easier. I'm not riding with you anymore. God, I I thought you told me to change careers. Like we felt such a peace. We knew we heard your voice. You told us to change careers, yet nothing's working out. You told me to stay. I know it in my heart you told me to stay, and I still haven't gotten the promotion. I started following you, and everything started falling apart. 
You ever heard somebody say, I was fine till I put my faith in Jesus. I was fine till I got saved. Then life started falling apart. I started going through all these like trials and storms and this opposition. And you know what? If we could tell the apostle Paul, the guy who wrote a huge chunk of the new Testament, if we could tell him about our story and I put my faith in Jesus and then everything started falling apart and the whole thing must be broken. See, I knew it wasn't real. You know what I think he'd tell us? He'd probably go, Oh, your life's been getting tough. Great. You must be exactly where you're supposed to be. Cause see, when you signed up to follow Jesus, you signed up for a fight. Because see, following Jesus is not the easiest way to live. It's the best. In fact, that's exactly what he told his friend Timothy. He had a friend named Timothy, and his friend said, I'm sold out for Jesus. I want to dedicate my whole life to Jesus, my time, my talents, my treasures, the whole thing. I'm going to build his kingdom. You know what Paul said? He didn't go, let me put my arm around you, buddy. Oh, you're making such a good decision. God's so proud of you. You know what he said? Hey, Tim, get ready to fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Because that's what it is. Because following Jesus doesn't make your life easier. It makes it the best, the full, the abundant life. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He said, because you confessed your faith in Jesus, now get ready for some opposition. Satan didn't have to oppose you before. You were walking the same direction he was. You just put your faith in Jesus. You just signed up for a fight because you got a calling on your life, because your life matters, because you're going to build God's kingdom. You better believe you're about to step into some opposition. And some of us need to be reminded the opposition I've been feeling is not an indication I ought to quit. It's a reminder I ought to start fighting. In fact, I was thinking this this week. If you've been a Christ follower for a long time and you're kind of like, man, I don't, I don't remember the last time I've really had opposition. You ought to ask yourself, when's the last time you did some fighting? Because I love watching combat sports, and for better or for worse. My wife doesn't like it. I like it. Do you? Okay, so I like watching MMA. Well, it's crazy because these guys get in an octagon and literally try and kill each other. And it's not just boxing. It's, it's I'm going to punch you. I'm going to kick you. I'm going to knee you. I'm going to elbow you. I'm going to tackle you. I'm going to slam your head on the ground. I'm going to grapple you. I'm going to Muay Thai you. I'm going to squall you. I'm getting crazy on you. I'm going to punch you in the face till, till I take you down. And then I'm going to choke you till you pass out. That's the goal. Here's what's crazy. While they're choking each other, to, literally, I'm just going to cut the oxygen supply off to your brain. And if you live, well, good for you, but I'm going to win this fight. That's the mentality, right? While you're getting choked out, you can end the whole thing if you just go like this. Let's see, how am I going to do this? That's it. You just tap out. And your opponent goes, watch one. Next thing they do, they start picking each other up start hugging each other. Sometimes they raise the other one's hand and, they, and they, they point to the crowd and they go, isn't he doing good? Isn't he doing good? He's amazing. I watched a fight last week. I kid you not. Dustin Poirier fight a week or two ago. They literally start trying to kill each other. And as soon as the fight was over, they hugged each other. And, and I read his lips. He goes, I love you, man. You're a great father. <laughs> they were trying to kill each other 30 seconds ago. I love you, man. You're a great father. And all of a sudden, it started to remind me of like our spiritual journey. The only time the enemy stops throwing punches 
is when you stop fighting. As long as you're in the fight, as long as you're in the game, as long as you decide my life's going to matter, there's going to be some purpose on it, I'm going to build God's kingdom, we need to start expecting opposition. But we use the opposition as an excuse to quit too often, I think. My favorite MMA fighter right now is a man named Ian Heinisch. He's my favorite because he's my friend and he's a greeter here at the Littleton campus. And if you mess with me, he'll sneak up on you and choke you out before you ever even knew he was there. How crazy would it be? Ian is, Ian is right now the 10th ranked fighter in the world in the 185 division. And what I love about him is every time you see him on TV, you can't get him to shut up about his savior. You can't get it. I saw him in an interview and they're like, tell us about the fight. And he's like, let me tell you about my testimony. Tell us about the fight. He goes, let me tell you about my calling. Tell us about the fight. Let me tell you about my savior. And then after the fight, he greets people here on, on the weekends. I love him. How crazy would it be if, if he went to practice this week? He's got a big fight coming up August 17th. Come on, brother. I don't know what this is, but I love you, Ian. How crazy would it be if he got into fight week and all of a sudden he gets in the octagon and he just, he just takes the gloves off. Just I quit. He looks at his coach, Mark Montoya says, I quit. Why? Cause every time I get in this octagon, people are trying to punch me. I'm just sick of the opposition. So much pressure, so much, everyone's saying mean things and doing mean things, and the enemy just keeps trying to take me down. Wouldn't that be crazy? Mark would be like, bro, what are you talking about? You're a fighter. That's what you do. You step in here and you expect opposition. It's not the reason you run. It's the reason you train and the reason you fight. But we step into some opposition in our life and all of a sudden go, I guess this isn't God's will anymore because there's just so much opposition. I'm not riding with you anymore. I put my faith in you and things got tough. Some of you are like, um, I assumed as a pastor, you would convince us to follow Jesus, not try and talk us out of it. I do want to convince you to follow Jesus. And I do, I do believe it's not the easiest life, but it's the best. And before our time's up, I'm going to give you three reasons why it's the best. Number one, we're all going through storms, church, every single one of us. And if you're not in one, you will be. It's just how it works. But when you follow Jesus, there's peace in the middle of the storm, a peace that doesn't even make sense. I think if we could talk to the disciples today and they start telling us about this day, I think they would just get so giddy up here and be like, let me tell you what it was like. Oh my gosh, we couldn't post about it. So you haven't seen the picture, but let me tell you, it was crazy. And we thought we were going to die. We thought we were going to drown. And the waves were like coming up over the boat and Jesus steps up and he just goes, Hey, weather, you're done. And this wave, as it was coming over, over the boat, just went, and it fell and it freaked me out. And I think one would be like, yeah. And the wind, it was like it was blowing. The rain was coming in sideways and I was fighting against it. I was fighting so hard against it. And Jesus was like, yeah, weather, you're done. And I was like, the wind just stopped. And the sea, the sea was like glass. I never seen anything like it in my life. It didn't make sense. None of it made sense. It was a peace that didn't make sense. And the apostle Paul says, make sure you understand today that that exact same peace is available to you. 
Philippians says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, see, see what the disciples did is they realized this storm's too big for me. I got to go to Jesus for this one. Paul says there's going to be times in your life when anxiety starts to just like tries to wreck you and you need to realize this one's too big for me. I got to stop trying to be my own man, my own woman, do this on my own. I'm so independent and tough. That's not how you were created. You were created to lean on your father. So take it to him. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, that's when the finances don't work out. That's when the relationship is breaking your heart and you can't make it stop. That's when the anxiety and the depression feels overwhelming. That's when the dream isn't happening, when the job's stuck. It's the whole thing. Every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, take it to Jesus. Present your request to God and listen to this and the peace of God, which doesn't make any sense at all. And the peace of God that you shouldn't have in the middle of this situation and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're going to go through storms, but when I choose to follow Jesus, I get his presence and his peace and his power made available to me in the middle of a storm. Following Jesus doesn't mean I get an easy life. It means I get an abundant life, a full life, the best life. When I lived in, I lived in LA and, and, and I got saved. And if you haven't heard that story, I'm gonna give you a cliff note here in a second. But I was back in LA. I was a brand new Christian. And I literally felt like I just gave my life to God. And I felt like my life's falling apart. I don't know what to do with myself. And I started having like a lot of depression, like that I had never really experienced before. And I'm like, where did this come from? I just put my faith in Jesus. Like, what? I don't understand. I started to feel real lonely and insecure. And, and, and my friends, every friend I had in the world was a partier. And so all my friends are out partying. And so I would just stay at home and I didn't know what to do. And I was like miserable, like falling apart. And yet full of faith at the same time, I was scared and amazed at the same time. It was crazy. And this guy from this church in Rockford, Illinois calls me and he goes, he goes, hey, and I told him what was going on. He goes, why don't, why don't instead of just, just talking about how bad you feel right now and, and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking about how bad you feel right now, what if you just spent some time in God's presence right now? Because it'll change you. And I'm like, I don't even know how to do that. that. Sounds great. I don't even know what to do. He goes, just put some music on, just put on some worship music, which I was so thankful. He said worship music, because one thing I hated when I got saved is everybody in the church who goes, if you like this band, then you're going to love the Christian version. I'm like, no, I'm not. It's not even close. Stop that. <laughs> but I can wrap my mind around worship, man. And, and he said, he said, put on some worship music and just be, and he goes, you know what? And if something comes to your mind that you want to talk to God about, then go for it, but no pressure, but be you be real, be raw. Just put on some music and just be in his presence. If you feel like saying something, say something. And I would lay on the floor in this little apartment in Hollywood and, and I would turn on worship music and I was 24 and I was going through all kinds of anxiety and depression for the first time in my life. I was so insecure. I had no idea. I felt like God was calling me to leave my career that I had chosen to sort of try to pursue. And like, I had no clue what was going on in my life. And I could lay there on the floor with worship music on and I could just feel peace peace that didn't even make sense. And I didn't know what to say and I didn't know what to do, but I could just go be, I could go be me in the presence of God and then say something to him if I felt like it. 
and it started to bring me peace in the middle of the storm. And I thought, what about for you? What if you'd spend less time telling everybody nonstop about the problem? What if you'd spend less time thinking, 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 thinking about how horrible it is. And every now and then just get alone by yourself, put on some worship music and just be. And if you feel like it, say something to God. And if not, just hang. And just be in his presence because there's peace and there's joy and there's confidence and there's power in his presence. We can have that in the middle of the storm. And that's why I think following Jesus is not the easy life. It's the best life. I think it's, I think it's the best life because of the purpose that we can have in the middle of our storms. We can walk through storms and in purpose at the same time. Do you know that? See, if we could have this discussion panel with the disciples today, I think they'd tell us like, did you keep reading? Did you read the very next thing that happened after he calmed the storm? Because after he calmed the storm, they go through this. Literally, they thought they were going to lose their lives. It was such a crazy storm. It calms. They get to the other side where they were supposed to go. They get off the boat. They reach out to one guy. They help one person find a relationship with Jesus. He experiences the power and the presence of Jesus. He puts his faith in Jesus. He's going to go home. He's going to tell his family about it. It's going to change his family lineage from this point forward. Some of you need to know that's possible. No matter what you've been through, you can put your faith in Jesus, start following him today, and you can change your entire family lineage from this point forward. Ah, we're creating a family that loves each other. We're creating a family that stays. We're creating a family that protects. We're creating a family that says, in, in my house, we will serve the Lord. You can start that lineage. He's going to go home and do that. One person. And you know what Jesus does? He turns around and he looks at the guys. He goes, boys, let's go. And I got to imagine they got to be going. No, he did not. <laughs> what? Get back in the boat, boys. Let's go. And they got back in the boat and left. And I bet you today, if we could ask him, like, you guys went through this crazy storm. Put your lives on the line. But somebody got saved on the other side. Was it worth it? And I bet you every single one of them, every single time you ask them would be unanimous and go, absolutely. You should have seen him when the lights came on in his eyes. You should have seen him when Jesus healed him of that affliction. You should have seen him when he gave his life to Jesus and decided to start following. He's going to heaven forever. That little storm, that was temporary. He's going to heaven forever. Of course it was worth it. We were going through a storm and walking in peace at the same time. We just didn't know it. And see, that story means so much to me because... I'm the recipient of an outcome like that. I found faith in Jesus because of a storm that a friend of mine was willing to go through. And I was the one person on the other side. Although Eric James Parks tried to kill me on a boat. <laughs> like I said, we were also college roommates. And we were completely far from God. We made bad decisions on a professional level. I introduced him to drugs. I was a horrible influence in his life. Um, it just was. And, uh, we were almost done with college and it was Christmas break and, and he goes home to Rockford. You know, how every story, how many times you've heard us talk about Rockford, Illinois. The reason you hear us talk about Rockford, Illinois is because Eric's parents took a church in Rockford, Illinois. And when we were college roommates, he went to visit his parents on a Christmas break and someone took him to a church service in Rockford, Illinois, and he gave his life to Jesus. Well, then he comes back and we lived in this fraternity and there were 90 of us who lived in this fraternity. 
When you talk about a recipe for disaster, there are 90 of us who live together and just made bad decisions together. And, and so all of us every night would go out and try to get, you know, hammered and do whatever and make bad decisions. And that was just sort of a life rhythm that we were in, especially before school was getting to start back up. Well, so here comes Eric. He just put his faith in Jesus. And it's not because putting your faith in Jesus is a list of do's and don'ts. And all of a sudden I don't get to have fun anymore. It's he, he looked at what we were doing and he, he all of a sudden realized he couldn't, he couldn't explain it, but he all of a sudden realized like, I have such a purpose inside of me that what they're doing, I actually feel bad for him right now. <laughs> I have so much to live for right now inside of me. I can't explain it, but like, that's not even appealing to me. And, and so he would sit at home every single night. This went on for like three weeks and we would just make fun of him. But what we didn't know is he started to go into this dark tunnel of just confusion and, and emotions and feeling like a loser and feeling isolated and feeling insecure and not knowing what to do. And what does this mean? And he put his faith in Jesus. And then it felt like everything started to unravel so much so that he calls his dad and says, dad, I got to drop out. Of course, his dad's like, you're almost finished. Like, what are you doing? We've spent so much time. We spent so much money. You've spent so much money in student loans and the whole deal. And he's like, dad, I can't explain it. I can't stay here. I got to drop out. And so he goes back and he moves back to Rockford, Illinois. And, and they're like, well, I guess, you know, everyone probably thought, well, he'll continue his education right around there. Well, he didn't. He, did. he said, I, I know this is crazy, but I think God's calling me to become an intern at this church to become a pastor. And now all of us are really making fun of him. And it's like this all time low in his life. And he feels every day like I'm letting everybody down and nobody gets what I'm going through. But I feel like I'm being obedient. And then one day he's sitting underneath a desk. If you know, Eric, he does everything. So he's becoming a pastor and he's also rewiring the computer system and the phone lines in the intern room. And he's underneath a desk hooking up some computer wires. And he gets a call from his best friend from college, me on a flip phone, if you can believe it. And you couldn't even text pictures. <laughs> so he opens it up like this and he's sitting underneath a desk and I'm a disaster. And I'm like, bro, I was sitting at a table getting ready to take my own life in California. And I said, I'm so sorry to call you like this. You're the only person I know to call. I think, I think today I'm going to heaven or hell and I don't know how to get into either one of them. Like, I don't know how it works. And he talked me out of doing something stupid and he used his own money, which he had hardly none of. And he flew me over to Rockford, Illinois, took me to a church service and I gave my life to God and my life changed forever at that point. Now, I can't tell you though, how many times over the course of our friendship, he's looked at me just out of the blue and went, you know what? One of the best days of my life was when I sat with you in church. And you raised your hand and said you wanted to start a relationship with God. And I got to pray with you. He's like, it was all worth it. Everything was worth it. I'm the one guy on the other side of the shore because I had somebody in my life who was willing to go through some storms and not walk away and not use it as an excuse to quit, to stay in the fight. And because he did, my gosh, is my life different? Every, my, my, my wife, my family, my occupation, where I live, my whole life, where I'm going to spend eternity. It's all different. What if, what if you didn't quit? What if the opposition you've been facing isn't a reason to quit, but it's a reminder to stand up and fight. And you could be reminded today that there's purpose in the fight because I chose to follow Jesus. It's not just a fight. It's not just pain. There's now he takes my pain and he turns it into a platform and he 
destroys the whole thing with purpose, just covers it with purpose. And generally, here's a hint, generally in the middle of a storm, if you'll look around in the middle of a storm for one person to reach out to, God will show you somebody and you'll start to find the purpose in that storm real quick. Following Jesus is not the easiest way to live, it's the best. There's, there's peace in his presence and his power in the storms. There's purpose in the storms. I can walk through a storm and in purpose at the same time because my creator's going with me. That was the first thing he said, and we won't go back to it, but Jesus said, let us go to the other side. He said, guys, you're going to go through some storms, but don't you ever forget I'm with you. Let us go. We're going. I'm going with you. There's peace. There's purpose. And the third reason is this. In band, you can come on up. And in fact, if you'd start playing the keyboards while I finish, this whole thing will sound so spiritual. It'll be crazy. <laughs> it's true, man. When we take God created music and put it together with the God ordained word, man, it's powerful. I believe that. Um, but the third reason that I believe following Jesus isn't the easy life, it's the best life, is because we get heaven forever. That's it. I'm going to heaven. This, this storm that I'm in sucks. Yes. But every now and then, it's a really good, like, clear the mechanism thing to do to just take a step back and go, yes, it's really difficult, and I don't understand it, and it hurts all the time. But it's going to be real short. Because I'm following Jesus. And the truth is, I know how the story ends. And I'm going to heaven for all of eternity. And it all goes away. So let me find some peace. But oh God, give me purpose in this storm so I can take some people with me. So we can go to heaven for eternity and be with you. Following Jesus is the best life because I get heaven forever. My wife, I'm going to close with this. My wife loves storms. Loves them. And I've been married to her for 20 years. Never understood why. Most people shut the windows. The storm, my wife opens them. All the windowsills have rain at our house. Little raindrops and it's kind of, kind of bubbles up where the pain is because we open the windows when we have storms at my house. And isn't it interesting how you can keep learning stuff about somebody after a whole lifetime with them? I just found out this week, we've been married 20 years. I just found out this week why she loves storms so much. Cause she always tells me like, I just love the, I love seeing the lightning. I love hearing the thunder. I just, I love st storms. And this week out of the blue, a we were in a storm and she's like, open the windows. And she said, I love these storms because she said, when I was growing up, we had a covered back porch. And I would sit out back with my dad. He loved storms. So I would sit out back with my dad and we would just watch the storms together. She said, so every time I, when I see a storm coming, she goes, it reminds me of my father. And all of a sudden I went, I think that's how we're supposed to live. I think that's how we're supposed to live, church. We go through storms and we see a storm and we feel opposition and instead of letting it be a reason why we quit, it ought to be a reminder of our father. I mean, I'm going through some stuff right now. Whew. I'm going to let this be a reminder that I'm, I'm connected to the father. So I can have a peace that passes all understanding in the middle of this. I can experience his power in a way that nobody will understand in the middle of this. He'll attach purpose to my life like nobody will ever believe in the middle of this. And I'm going to heaven forever one day. So anytime I step into a storm, instead of it being a reason why I just got to fall apart, what if it's like now nah, this storm is going to be one more reminder of my father.
Let me pray for you. God, I thank you so much that we get to do church together. I thank you for every person at every location, those watching and listening online and remotely and in gyms and offices and cars and wherever they're at. God, I just pray that that your, your, your presence would be so tangible right now in this moment. We don't always have to feel you, but I just pray right now that we could. We could feel and sense your presence. There's some people right now in some storms. I pray that today they would be reminded of their father. They would be reminded that their father loves them and is working and has a plan and they can go to him with this and they can get peace and purpose and presence and power. And because we've chose to follow you, our eternal destination is taken care of. It's already done. Heaven forever. In fact, with everyone's eyes closed at all locations, let me ask a couple questions and we're going to respond real quick to what God's doing in all of our lives today. And the first question is this. You're in a storm. You're in a storm. Somebody you love is in a storm. And you know more than ever, I need to be reminded of my father in this one. I need to, I need to somehow, in a way that I have just not been able to do yet, I need the grace to look at my father instead of the situation right now. I want to put my trust back in my father in the middle of the storm, and I want his peace and his purpose in this storm. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm just going to say a prayer for you. Hands all over the room. It's just real life. All right, the second question is this. You have not made that decision to put your faith in Jesus and to follow him. And the truth is, the whole time I've been talking, he's been tapping you on the shoulder, and you just know this is my moment. I need to confess my sins. I can't be my own savior. I need to confess my sins to the Lord. And today, I don't know how this is going to play out, and I'm not even going to be close to perfect, but I choose to follow him. I can feel it in my heart. I know this is my time. If that's you, at every single location, I need to confess my sins. I want to follow Jesus. I know it's my time. If that's you, raise your hand right now, and I'm going to say a prayer for you. Raise them up high. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, praise God. God, you knew exactly why you brought us here. You know the storms that we're in. You know the storms that are on the horizon. You know what we've been through. But way more important, you know the plans that you have for us. So first, I pray for all those people that are going through storms right now. I pray for a supernatural peace. We're going to sing some songs of celebration. We're going to sing some songs of victory. And as we do, I pray that our, your presence would be so tangible in this space and wherever everybody else is at watching and listening to this, that they would begin to feel your presence. And this storm would remind us of our Father. And I can't have peace and I can't have purpose in Jesus' name. And I thank you for the salvations that are taking place across all of these different locations. God, it is our absolute honor to worship you. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Come on, church, let's get up, let's worship.